0: Tonight I want to just uh, share a word with you, and uh, the word is give it up for Jesus. You know, you get to a ball game and they say, give it up, give it up for the team. You know, give it up for Purdue. Give it up. Everybody cheers. Well, tonight, give it up for Jesus. How many of you believe he deserves a big, strong thank you for all that he's done? Well, let's give him one. Hallelujah. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) I remember one time when I was in Mexico, they decided to do the wave. And uh, it was a big women's meeting. And I tell you, they got it just as excited as we do at a ball game. Those women were, the wave was going across, the wave went this way. And you say, well, that's not very spiritual. Well, I'm telling you, God enjoyed every minute of it because it, he showed up in the midst of that big wave that went on. Hallelujah. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter six tonight. And uh, I'm going to share, uh, give it up for Jesus. We need to give it up in praising for who he is, but we also need to be willing to give give it up for Jesus. Whatever it is in our life that God asked for, we need to be willing to give it up. And I'm going to share a little bit uh, of my testimony tonight uh, from years ago. I also have one that I'm going to show you by video. Um, The greatest place of victory is when we give it up. Everybody say, give it up. (laughs) Give it up to the Lord, when we give up and we let him take over in a situation. And, um, you may be here tonight and you, you have you've been fretting. You've been trying to make it be okay. You know, I'll never forget when my uncle came to live with us and, uh, he was an alcoholic. He'd been through six rehabs and, uh, he, he was an educator and he know the knew the system so well, uh, that they put him through in those rehab places that he could teach it. But, When he came to Tulsa and ended up in the city of faith, he gave it up. Everybody say, gave it up. He gave it up, and God came into that place. How many of you know there's another voice that still has to speak? And that's God's voice in every situation. And and he had never been in a place where they gave it up to Jesus. I mean, in that place, his first night he was there, they laid hands on him. He fell out under the power of God, and he was never the same again, because God touched him in a way that he had never been touched before. I believe that tonight, if you're sitting here tonight, that God is going to touch your life in a way he never has before, so that you can give up and let go of things maybe that you've been holding on to that are really keeping you from the promises of God. And uh, it says in Matthew six nineteen through 21, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth <clears throat> where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there your heart will be also. Would you say that last part right there with me? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, In my life, in 1979, when I was in Tulsa with my three children by myself, um, this scripture is one that God put before me in the very beginning. And uh, I, I didn't recognize in the beginning that my treasure was in people, or that my treasure was in... Uh, material things. I didn't realize that my treasure was in my family. My treasure was in a lot of things, but all of those things were temporal. They were not eternal. And and so I was always subject to having my life at any point in time uh, become up a- and down and up and down or whatever the circumstances were, I had opportunity to look at those rather than to look at the Lord. And uh, I was sitting in the park uh, yesterday morning just praying about this message tonight and uh, I saw a man over in the bushes and, and it looked like he had one of those metal detectors. Have you ever seen those metal detectors where people are looking for the treasure? You know, they're running it over the ground and last year when we were in Florida, I don't remember, I don't know if Pastor Elizabeth remembers this or not, but We had a guy, first time I've ever seen somebody down there with one of those, and uh, he decided that something was under the ground two cabins down from where we were, and he dug a hole that an elephant could have fallen into. I'm telling you, this man was determined to find the treasure. And I thought if anybody goes out at night, you know, they could break a leg in that hole. That he, It won't be somebody else's treasure when they end up with a cast on their leg. And, you know, it was just a huge hole. And then they had to come and fill that hole in. I don't know if he ever found the treasure. But I want to tell you, God wants us to find our treasure in him. And you don't have to dig a deep hole and keep searching. If you, if you, Bible says, if you seek me, you will find me if you search for me with all your heart. And uh, so as we talk about this tonight, I want you to know that God has great treasure for you. But the treasure that he has for you is not temporal. The treasure that he has for you is eternal. But it works in the temporal. It, it functions in your life in today's world. You know, when I was growing up, I went to church because my mother made me. And I didn't go to church because I thought I was going to hear anything that would help me live my life that week. I just thought it was going to be, you know, how great thou art and uh, holy, holy, holy Lord God almighty. And, you know, pretty soon it'll be over because the sermon is only this many minutes and I'm out. Hallelujah. And this is it. So I never went with the intention of hearing God speak in my life. You know, there's a song that says word of God speak. I had no idea the word of God spoke, but you know, as I've grown in my life and as I came to know Jesus, that's the first thing he started doing with me was letting me know that he wants to speak and he wants to become everything. And uh, I will never forget in Tulsa when I heard these words, when you got me, you got everything. And I thought, Oh dear, I am in such big trouble. Because if this is everything, I had three children. I didn't have enough money to make it every week. I mean, the odds were not that I had everything in my natural vision. But God began to teach me this word. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And today, my treasure is nothing of this world. My treasure is what I have in him. And we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. Um, Treasure is wealth, money, jewels. Precious metals. Uh, The dictionary says a store of money in reserve. How How many of you like to have a little money in reserve? That's treasure. Something of great worth or value. And I thought this one was a really good definition. Also, a person esteemed as rare or precious. And you know, God calls his children his special treasure. If you would put up that Deuteronomy seven, six in, in the old covenant, uh, when he brought the new generation of Israelites into the place where they were going to possess the land, this is how he described his people for you are a holy people to the Lord, your God, the Lord, your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure everybody say special treasure now that's even more than a treasure that's a special treasure because he says above all the peoples on the face of the earth above everything all the things in the earth, all the people in the earth, his people. Everybody say his people. Now, if you're here tonight and you know Jesus, you're one of those people because it says in 1 Peter 2, 9, and this is in the New Covenant, Peter says it like this, and I want to read it to you. It's an, It won't come up on the screen, but this is what it says in 1 Peter 2, 9. You are a chosen, everybody say chosen, generation, a royal priesthood turn your neighbor and say, I'm royalty. Now that may be the first time you've heard that. And you may not think that you're royalty, but I want to tell you, spiritually, you have on a royal robe of righteousness, if you know Christ tonight. I've been teaching on righteousness over in VBI on Sunday mornings, third service, and I've just preached myself happy. Those that are in there know when once I get started in the word of God, how many of you know the word can make you happy? I mean, I don't have to say that. I just start reading the word of God and I get so excited because it's true. Everybody say it's true and it rises up on the inside of us. God wants us to live that kind of a life, and we can when we recognize we are his special treasure, but even more, he is our treasure. And uh, as I looked at this scripture, it says personal possession, personal property. How many of you love to tell the devil, Leave me alone, I'm God's property? Do you ever say that? Hey, devil, just let me remind you, I am God's property. Now, you can't be playing footsie with him while you're trying to claim you're God's property, I mean, with the devil. You have to be on the right side of things. But when you are doing what God's told you to do, even if you miss it, there's forgiveness. First John one, nine, you can get right back where you need to be. And it makes you in a position where you can declare to the devil, Hey, I am God's property. You cannot touch me because I belong to God. And you may be here tonight and say, well, I don't know that you could just say that. Well, you can Turn to your neighbor and say, oh, yes, you can. <laughs> oh, yes, you can, because God has given you permission to use his name, to use his word, to use the blood against the, the enemy he's defeated. Malachi 3.17 says God speaks of his people, and he regards them as his jewels, as his jewels. You know, God loves us, and he has such a wonderful plan for us, but he always requires that we give it up. Everybody say, give it up. Doesn't it say, you know, you're going to have to give up your life, Lay down your life, pick up the cross, and follow me. You know, all I could ever imagine was picking up something heavy. But that's not what that means at all. When you pick up the cross, you pick up liberty. You pick up freedom. You pick up a a way to walk like you've never walked before. It's not, you know, you see people like that cross over there. That thing is heavy. That thing is very heavy, yeah, you know, because you've tried to move it, I guess. Yeah, and, and, and it's, it's so heavy, you have to use cement blocks to keep it from falling over on you. You have to prop it up. And, and so when I was younger, i give up your life, take up the cross. I'm thinking, oh, God, that means you're not ever going to have any fun again. It's over. You know, you're going to have to take up the cross. This is it. And, but it's really the opposite. Everybody say the opposite. And it's the same when, when you hear God say, give it up. You know, in Luke eighteen twenty two, the rich young ruler came to Jesus and you know that story, how he said, you know, I, I do all these things. How many of you know you can be religious, but that doesn't mean you have relationship. And he said, I, I do all these things that you require, Jesus, uh, but what, you know, what else can I do? And, and Jesus said, well, this one thing you lack, uh, sell all, everybody say sell all. Now, that sounds like give it up, doesn't it? Sell all. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor. And you will have, you'll have what? You will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Now, I can promise you this. The longer you walk with the Lord, the more you're going to have to make another step up into this arena of giving it up. Because with God, we always have to give up a little to take on more of him. It just says in the word of God, John the Baptist said, I must decrease so that he can increase. And that's just the way it is in the kingdom of God. God says, bring all the tithe in the storehouse and see, everybody say, and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing such that you cannot contain and I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. But what's first bring all the tithe in the storehouse. What's that mean? We're going to have to give up 10%. See, God always does that, but why does he operate like that? I'll tell you, the bottom line is for trust. Everybody say trust. That's the, that is the whole issue with God. If you study the old covenant, God with his people would become irate. Everybody say irate. When they did not trust him to be who he said he was. In fact, the new covenant in Hebrews, when he said, I will be their God and they will be my people and I will write their laws upon their heart. And what he was saying was, I'm going to put this on the inside of them. Just like it says in first Corinthians six, when it says, you're not your own, you've been bought with a price. He put all of that on the inside of us. Why? So that we could do what he wanted us to do so that we could give first and then see him be who he said he was going to be. He enabled us to be that person who can give it up. Everybody say, give it up. Now I'm going to give you some examples tonight, but I want you to look at this scripture, Proverbs three, five and six. This is, this is the scripture that God continually speaks to me when he's about to do something that I don't want to do. This is the scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. That means he's about to do something that I'm probably not going to be in agreement with. But I have learned in my walk with the Lord, this is for good, not for evil. And then it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. What does that mean? That means give him first place. First place. Everybody say first place. Do exactly what he says, and he will direct your paths. And so uh, I've heard this, you know, over and over in the 35 years that I've been serving the Lord. Every time I think, okay, this is really, this is okay. Then I hear this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Uh, that means we're going to a new level. We're going to go to a new place, a place where I've never been before, a place where I'm going to have to give God more trust than I've given him before. And and the longer you walk with him, the bigger that is, that thing that you have to do. Mike, you will find this out. Starts out with just don't do this. Well, then it ends up with, well, how about we don't do this now? We always have to remember what he has done for us. We have to remember the places where we made that decision, okay, I'm going to give it up. Everybody say, give it up. And so uh, this is the scripture uh, that God has given me once I understood. But, you know, in the beginning, I didn't understand what God was doing. I did not understand anything that God was doing when I got saved. And, And I didn't even do things right after I got saved. You probably all did, but I did not. And I even made more screwy decisions after I got saved, more of them than I thought that were still possible, I would think that God would stop me. But how many of you know God lets you do what you insist on doing? And so I ended up in even some worse situations and I was a born again, spirit filled Christian. And then God began to deal with me. You're going to have to give it up you're going to have to give up some things. And, uh, and, and that was very hard for me. And, uh, the, when I'm going to just share this part tonight, when God told me to move to Tulsa in 1979, uh, you know, I was on Valium. I didn't sleep well. It, it only made me stay awake more. I mean, it was like the more Valium I took, the more awake I got. Hallelujah. You're supposed to go sleep. And, uh, and so that didn't work. So I quit that, but God, he told me to take my three children and move to Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was a divine way, a divine connection. I'm not going to talk about that tonight. But when he told me to do that, I was going to have to leave my family. Turn to your neighbor and say, uh-oh. And I didn't know the story of Abraham, but I just, God did. And he decided I was going to live it. Now, it sounded excited, exciting at first. Because nothing was working where I was. However, it wasn't near as exciting when I started packing the boxes and the Beacons truck pulled up and I loaded these children in a car and took off for Tulsa knowing one family, 700 miles away from anybody, and I know that I'm a basket case <laughs> and they're not going to be there to help me. And I go to work in a place where I'm not going to make enough money it's not as much as i made here and i have to explain this to my family which wasn't didn't go over really well but everybody say give it up i began on a journey that i live today and it's the only way you can grow in god is to give it up everybody say give it up and uh, I, i remember when god began to speak to me that um I would have to leave my family. I didn't want to leave my family. Uh, I already felt due to situations and circumstances that, that I was, that, that my family deserted me, which it wasn't them deserting me. I deserted God and ended up in a place where I was deserted by everybody. Everybody say it's usually our fault. And, uh, and, and it's always easy to blame the other person, but, uh, Psalm 27 is the scripture God gave me. And it says in that scripture, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Now, you know, my, my parents really didn't desert me, but my choices put me in a position where I couldn't be with them. I did, they didn't do it. I did it. But how many of you know it's always the other person's fault? Bless God if they, you know, they should overlook my mess and do, their, do it Right. And, uh, but that wasn't the way it was. And, and so I put myself in that position, but because of that, God in his mercy took me completely away from my family, completely away and moved me away with my three children. And, you know, pastor John, he's told you about P- Matt. My only hope was Lori. <laughs> Hallelujah. Pastor John and his grandpa, John got lost. You know, it might've been good. if They just never got found. Hallelujah. <laughs> just kidding. But that was, that John was 12. Pastor John was 12 and Matt was 10 and Lori was eight. And God said, how about we just do this alone? I thought that is not a good idea. I mean, I, I have to have a support team. How many of you got to have a support team? Well, I want to tell you, if you, if you have a support team and it's people and you want to live for God, you aren't going to have that support team. That doesn't mean you can't have friends and you can't have people who encourage you and all those things. But your support has to come from God. It has to come from the source. And so it says, I would have lost heart. This was my scripture. Twenty seven thirteen. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That meant I didn't have to die first. How many of you know that song? When we all get to heaven, there wasn't any chance. You know, I was living here and, and I had three children and, the, you know, I couldn't escape. So, uh, and and at that season of their life, their dad didn't have them that much. He would take them one Sunday a month for a couple hours. So I was on duty 24 seven from the time they were two, three, and five till this age. So, you know, it was, I mean, I was just it. And so there was no way of escape, but God in his mercy took me to a place where I had to give up my family and turn all of my affection, everybody say affection upon him all my attention upon him and uh and then i the next thing that happened was when i got to tulsa i realized i am going to need more money i'll get more child support and i could have very easily but the lord said to me this scripture that's when he gave me this scripture lay up treasure in heaven for where your treasure is there your heart will be also do you want your heart tied to that or you want it tied to me then don't go after the child support. That means we have to make it on this little bit we've got. Now, I'm not saying this is for everybody. I'm just telling you. This puts you in a position where I had to depend on God every day for my finances. Every day. When I went to the grocery, everything that I did. But how many of you know that causes you to be in a position where God becomes your source? Everybody say source. So that years later, when God says, you know, uh, move, move to Lafayette and start a church and you don't have any money, how many of you know there's no problem with that? Well, there is. <laughs> but you have this back, back history that says, okay, this is no different. It's the same principle. It's the same God. It's just a bigger amount. You know, when I read Brother Copeland's little faith to faith and he's believing for a million dollars, you know, it's like... You know, I could never believe for a million what I'm believing for as big as I can believe for right now. How, how many of you know God is God is moving us to that level? How many of you, Bill, said, I'm going to handle millions. How about you? That's what God told me. You will handle millions in these last days. Well, I'm going to tell you, you don't handle millions if you can't handle $35 a week and figure out how you're going to buy groceries. If you can't pray it in there, you're not going to pray it in at a million. Hallelujah. Um, I'm, I haven't got to that level yet. It's coming, though. Hallelujah. But they're going to have to give it up. Everybody say give it up. Going to have to give it up big to go to that level. At this level, this was big for me because I had three children that had a lot of needs, and they had a lot of wants. And I knew that I could get that child support, and I could get them those things that they needed. But God said no. And he put me so far away that, that you know, I I couldn't really do much about it unless I really wanted to, to make a big effort and get a lot of people involved. And so I think he knew that and that's how he trained me. But in that time when I didn't get the child support, I got lots of support from God. I mean, the, the students that were in the medical school where I was, they began to give to me. I mean, they, and they would come play with my kids. These were young guys in college. So Pastor John and Matt, they loved it. This one guy would come over and, and he would talk with him and and, uh, I was coming home for Christmas how many of you know uh, Joel Osteen his brother Paul was in that school he brought me, Joel Osteen brought his dad's tapes John Osteen's tapes and it was the church called the Oasis of Love and God said I'm going to fill you so full of my love that you will have no fear left in your life and he brought me those tapes and he also gave me $200 to take my kids and bring them home for Christmas at Christmas time God became my source but I had to give it up. I had to give up my, my idea. And listen, I was an accountant before I knew Jesus. So I could help God finance anything if he just let me be in charge. Hallelujah. (laughs) So he took away all of that. Hallelujah. Then when I got ready to come home, he said to me, give away all that nice furniture that you have. Now I had really nice furniture. And, uh, before I was divorced, We had built a nice home. I had a home that most people my age did not have. And I had beautiful furniture in it. And it, you know, I mean, I had slate tables. I had expensive lamps. I had all this furniture. Gave some of it to my sister. But I took all the living room furniture. I took the rest of it to Tulsa. And God said to me, "Uh, I want you to get rid of your furniture. Now, I, I wouldn't mind getting rid of furniture if I had money from it to buy more furniture. You know, I mean... That would be reasonable, especially when I'm going to come home and tell my parents, guess what? I'm back. <laughs> I've only been gone a year, but I learned what God wanted. Here I am again. God sent me. It's like, really? And I don't have any furniture. I thought that will never fly with my mom and dad. And, uh, and, but God said, no, I, I don't want you to sell it. I want you to give it to, it was one of the medical students and his wife. I want you to give it all to them. You can have the beds cause they're new and you can have your bedroom suit cause it's new, but I don't want you to take anything of the past. Well, I thought I don't think about anything of the past having that nice furniture. I promise <laughs> I'll sit on it. I'll never think of the past. I promise God, I won't, you know, I'll be good. I won't ever think about it, but God didn't go for that. So I gave all my furniture to those people. It was nice. Now, I know red velvet crushed chairs don't sound nice to you today. And shag carpet. Remember, there was a day, though. And it was, it was nice in the day. And it was all Mediterranean. It was beautiful. And those, those young people were thrilled. They were college students. They had nothing. And now they had all this nice new furniture. And they were from New York. A really sweet couple. Uh, but, but I had to load up a truck, with just a couple of beds and come back to Lafayette with nothing of my past. I had to give it up, had to give it up. And, uh, I got some makeshift stuff that we all put together. You know, I got a couch for a hundred dollars and you're probably thinking, Oh yeah, God blessed her and gave her thousands of dollars of furniture. No, (laughs) hallelujah. It wasn't like that, but God was my source. And I knew it was my source. When I had to drive home a rider truck full of furniture, with the guy that was supposed to drive my rider truck in my car with my children enjoying it, sitting playing video games. I saw him back there with his knee up on the, you know, he had his knee up and he's playing his games, driving my car with my kids, and I'm driving this rider truck home, wrestling it through the hills and watching the windows. God has to be your source. Everybody say God's your source. Now, why am I telling you all this? Because I believe that there are people who are missing it. And they're expecting big things from God, but they don't want to give up one thing. Not one thing. And, and God, God will give to you everything. But you have to make him everything for him to give you everything. And the last thing I'm going to share about myself was um, after I got back here, God told me to come home so that I could have the victory where I had always had defeat. And, uh, and, and so I came back and I had to face things that I didn't want to face. Everybody say, give it up. (laughs) And I had to come back and do that. And uh, the last thing was when, uh, pastor John's father came to me and said, listen, um, I'd like to buy you a house, get you a house. And uh, I'd like to be more help with the kids. I'd like, I'd like to be more involved and told me all this stuff. And I was like my dream. I just wanted a house for my kids because I love my kids. And it it was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, I didn't go for the child support, got rid of the furniture, but I'm going to get a house. Yippee, you know. (laughs) And I'll never forget it. I walked out of the business that we had had when I was married to him, and he had told me that. And I walked out, and God said, you can have that if you want it. But I have something better if you'll give it up and come with me. I remember I cried for three days. I did. I cried three days. It was horrible. I shipped them off to whoever would take them, you know, and I, (laughs) which in those days was a little hard to get rid of all three, but Chris, you know, like she usually come through for me, my sister. And, uh, but you know, I just, I was, I was hysterical. I can remember it. I was, I was, it was like, that's like the number one thing I wanted more than anything. And, you know, I, I wanted my kids to have a house. And I wanted their dad to be around more. But God said, this is not the answer. And uh, if you give it up, if you give it up, I have something better. And, and so I went and told him, no, I can't do that. I'm sure he, he was a little, he was taken back a little bit by it. But, but I just said, I, 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 don't, I don't think that's the right thing for me. That God takes care of me. And I was able to say that. But what I was saying was, you can never be my source. Because that's why I ended up in those messes from the beginning. Was he was my source. He was my life. He was everything. And because of that, I made a lot of wrong decisions. And ended up in a lot of messes. So, I said no. Six weeks later, Pastor Bill called me. We had our first date on Valentine's Day. And we got married May 13th, the same year. I wasn't going to let that boy get away. Hallelujah. When he called me on the telephone and he said uh, that he, he wanted to get to know me and, and take me on a date. God had told me, I'm, you're going to be married and I'm going to send you somebody. And when he comes, he will love you like I do. He will never leave you. And uh, he said, and you'll know when he comes. As soon as I heard his voice, I heard, this is him. And I thought, well, can we get married next week? Because I, I don't have to. Listen, it's fine. And you know what? He had, a, he had a card. He had a bank card. This man had a bank card. He went to the bank. He got money. We went to the movie, which we never got to do. We, didn't we? Well, I mean, we, we were excited. Popcorn. We were all ready to marry him right then. Yep, popcorn and a Coke. And... Uh, and you know what he, he said, you know, it, when he married me, he, he, my children became his children. They did. And, and he, he took us all in, but he didn't have all that money. Yeah. Dang. Fake. It was fake. <laughs> he was, he was in a business that was almost bankrupt, but you know what, when I found it all out and he said, you don't want to marry me because you know, I have a mess. I said, it's Okay. I do want to marry you. <laughs> Tomorrow won't be soon enough. Hallelujah. And I can believe God for your mess. Amen. Give God glory. That's true. <laughs> I can believe God for your mess. First thing I said to him, what bill do you need paid? Let's believe God. And we believe for electric bill. And it got paid the next day. And it showed it. I said, that's the way I live. God takes care of me. Amen. I think he was relieved because he thought one, two, three, four, already got one, two, three, and there's four. That's a lot of people we got to take care of. But, he, but he, God did it. Everybody say God did it. As I was thinking about this message, um, the first thing I did that I ever did for the Lord, I, I taught a Bible study at ORU. And uh, the scripture God gave me to teach was Luke. And it was Luke 12, 16 through 21, about the rich man who was going to build more barns. store all of his stuff. And uh, God told me to preach it to those or teach it to those, those medical students in this way. How rich are you toward God is the last statement in there. Then he spoke a parable to them saying that a ground of a certain rich man yielded plenty. You know, even though we have a plentiful yield, we still have to know that our riches are in him not in what we have. Those riches are just passing through our hand for whatever God says because we always have more than enough. And and so I, I shared that message, how rich are you toward God for them? Everybody say, heaven's treasure. If you're a doctor and somebody's dying, not all the medicine in the world can help, then you better know how to lay hands on the sick and cast out demons. You better know the things that are really the treasures of heaven. You better know how to speak for finances to be that doctor that you're called to be. You better know how. And, and that's what God gave me to share with them. And in that class was Paul Osteen. And uh, here he was bringing me all his dad's teachings. And I'll bet he thought I was really a hoot that day. But God really used those medical students in my life to to grow me up and to teach me things and impart into their life. Because when you give, you receive. And uh, I... I always wondered you know he he graduated from the medical school at oru and of course i saw joel on television uh when we were in tulsa we went to their ministry a couple of times and uh, it was part of our internship program so pastor bill and i went down there and took students and so i got to see where that lakewood church was at that time of course now it's in a big uh big arena and there's thousands of people, if you've ever seen Joel on television. But, but I want you to listen. Joel shared last night. It was so, this is just so like God. I, I was in, in the back bedroom. Pastor Bill was in the living room watching television. And uh, I put my television on mute every time there's commercials because it's so loud. So put it on mute. And I heard Joel Osteen teaching. And he began to tell the story of his brother, Paul. And I want you to listen, because it's exactly what I'm talking about. Could you go ahead and play that?
1: When my brother Paul was 12 years old, he went to Africa with my father. Standing on a hot tarmac, waiting for a small plane to refuel, in a tiny nation called Northern Rhodesia, God planted a dream in Paul's heart, that one day he would go back to Africa and do medical missions. The creator of the universe birthed that in him that day. Paul went on to become a doctor and he spent 17 years as the chief of surgery in Little Rock, Arkansas. Deep down, he still wanted to do medical missions, but he was so busy, had so much responsibility, he couldn't do it. In 1999, driving home from my father's memorial service, he heard God speak to him right down in here, telling him, to give up his medical practice, come back home and help us pastor the church. In the natural, that didn't make sense. He had all these years of training, all these years of education. He was going to walk away from it. And for 10 years, Paul helped us here at the ministry, never thought any more about medicine, thought those days were over. But God doesn't forget what he promised you as a child. God remembers the dreams, the goals, the things that you always wanted to do. One day, a group of doctors from our church were going to Africa. They asked Paul to go, and he went over there just thinking he'd watch from the sidelines, maybe see how we could support them better. But when he got there, they put him in the operating room and said, Paul, we need you to do these surgeries. Hadn't done surgery in over 10 years. I just thank God I wasn't the first patient that day, but on the last day before he left, to come back home on that two week trip, he got up in the middle of the night. He went out and looked up in the African sky, and all of a sudden it hit him. He was doing what God put in his heart as a 12 year old boy. What God starts, he will finish. You may not see how it can happen. It may look like You're too old. You miss too many opportunities. It's impossible. No, God has it all figured out. God knows how to connect the dots. Here's the key. God is not okay with you fulfilling half of your destiny. He's not okay with you fulfilling a part of it. God is going to make sure you complete what he put you here to do. Today, Paul spends five months a year over in the remote villages of Africa, operating on the poor and needy. In fact, right now, he's in Central Africa in a tiny nation that used to be called Northern Rhodesia, the exact place God planted the dream in his heart some 45 years ago. God knows how to bring your dreams to pass.
0: Hallelujah, he knows how to bring your dream to pass. Tonight, would you stand? I want to pray for you tonight. You know, what if he'd have said no? What if, what if uh, Paul would have said, uh, you want me to give up being the chief of surgery? You know, now I, I had to give up some things. I'm sure you've had to give up some things. But how many of you know when you spent years going to medical school? And, and he wasn't promised at that point to do missions. God called him to go back and help his brother. That was all. With the ministry. It wasn't anything to do with what he had given his whole life to do. Wasn't even what God had told him. In Rhodesia. All those years ago. It had nothing to do with that. For 10 years he served his brother. In that. In that capacity. Of helping with missions. Things. Whatever his brother needed. That's what he helped him with. But God had a day. And he had a plan. But Paul would have to give up. What looked like would be even maybe the
2: vehicle for him to be what God said. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at VictoryLafayette.org.